G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Coming up today on The Story. At the age of 40, I got severe pancreatitis, which was diagnosed as pancreatic cancer. And I was told you got six months. But it was devastating. And suddenly, for the first time in my life, I thought, mortality. You know, I could be standing before Jesus in the next couple of months. And I, I, I regretted some things. And then I thought, my wife is young and my kids are young and I'll be gone. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, our guest today is once again Christian author and thinker Stephen McAlpine. He's written the award-winning book, Being the Bad Guys, How to Live for Jesus in a World that Says You Shouldn't, and Future Proof, How to Live for Jesus in a Culture that's Constantly Changing. As we heard last time, Stephen is passionate about helping Christians navigate through our increasingly hostile secular culture. Today, we'll hear more of his story and more of his encouragement for Christians living in today's society. Once again, Stephen McAlpine is chatting with Eric Scatterbo in our Melbourne studios. So I did ministry for quite some time, and I had one period of burnout, Mm -hmm. and we had a couple of kids, and um, seven-year gap between our children, which tells you the other, it wasn't because we couldn't. We just go, oh, if our daughter would decide to sleep one night, that would be great, <laughs> you know? So I think we had a, we struggled to think, would we ever have two? We went to England for a while to do some church planting mm-hmm. things, and that blew up a little bit in our faces. It was a bad church experience in the long run. You and, were the pastor? Uh, no, I was sort of an involved with a network that we were coming back to be involved in a network setting up a network here, mm-hmm. but relationally it went it went south. Mm. And I felt, oh, that's terrible. And we felt crushed by it. Mm. At the same time, and this is probably one of the key issues in my life at the age of 40, I got severe pancreatitis, which was diagnosed as pancreatic cancer mm. when my son was one. And I was told you got six months. Oh, wow. And it was devastating. That focuses well, the Well, it certainly does. Yeah. Yeah. It certainly does. And suddenly, for the first time in my life, I thought, mortality mm-hmm. idea. I could see, you know, I could be standing before Jesus in the next couple of months. And uh, wow. And I, I, I regretted some things. Like, how come I pushed work so hard all the time? I felt I did. Now, we didn't do family holidays very well, and we didn't do downtime together mm-hmm. very well. And I, I, that, it's funny how that was just one of my main regrets. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, my wife is young and my kids are young and I'll be gone. But at the same time, the lever of Jesus is king and he's in control mm-hmm. and he has loved me and my worthiness isn't on the basis of my performance but on the basis of his performance for me was incredibly enriching, you know, it enriched me and it enlivened me and gave me hope whatever happened. So it was amazing test of um, does this Christian thing carry it? Mm-hmm. And it did. That's Even the though, good news. Yeah, that's great. And it felt like it wasn't like, oh, 
how dare you, God. It felt like God really stepped in at that mm. time in my life in a very interesting, important way. Mm. In the end, it was a misdiagnosis, but I had, oh. I had major surgery. Mm-hmm. I ended up out of action for a year because I did have pancreatic problems. Mm. I lost a lot of weight. And you're lying in hospital with your guts cut open, unable to move, you know, with pumps coming out every, mm. everywhere and, you know, a catheter for a couple of weeks. And I remember feeling that I'd been brought so low for God to remind me that I rest on him. It's bedrock mm-hmm. here. Yeah, yeah. And bedridden bedrock, really. And it felt like it's there's a song by, in a Sovereign Grace song, you stripped me of everything I have so I would depend on you. And you took from me everything that I would lean on mm-hmm. so I would lean on you. Mm-hmm. I felt like I'd lost my health, mm-hmm. my job, a whole bunch of relationships, and any idea of what I was doing next. And maybe God needed to do that, mm-hmm. as C.S. Lewis would say that he shouts to us in our pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I felt that. And it changed my, my life. Mm-hmm. It changed me from being a young person in my mind to being a more sober-minded older person. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting how that happened. And God started to build me back up again. And my wife had said, because it happened at the same time that this church network blew up, mm-hmm. and then I got sick. If I'd seen the last two years coming, I wouldn't have wanted them. But on mm-hmm. the other side of them, we couldn't have done without them. Kind of the crucible. It was very much a crucible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was a... A transforming time mm. for me. It matured you, yes. you would say. Well, some people say. <laughs> <laughs> well, probably. <laughs> but like you said, you you would never want to do that. But no. the things that mature us and help us to be wiser are very hard things a lot of times. Well, Nassim Talib has a book called Anti-Fragile, Things That Gain From Disorder. Mm. And he says one of the problems in our modern West, and this is something that Jonathan Haidt and Greg Lukianov also talk about. I have about. no idea who these people are, oh, but a, I, a, I take it they're wonderful yeah. people. <laughs> uh, Jonathan Haidt is a New York University professor of psychology, mm-hmm. secular, as a colleague Greg Lukianov, and Nassim Taleb is an author. And they talk about that the experience in the West at the moment is the way to deal with difficult times is to avoid them, mm-hmm. create safe spaces yep. away yep. from them. Keep them away from yeah. me. Which is counter to what you should do. You lean into mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Because things gain from disorder. Mm-hmm. Uh, anti-fragile means you've got to be able to navigate difficult situations and you've got to be able to live in a world that can have people mm-hmm. who don't agree with you. Mm-hmm. So part of the cultural thing I'm doing mm-hmm. is we're living in a world where to disagree with someone is seen as shocking mm-hmm. or combative or whatever, and we haven't got a healthy regard for how to have conflict. Mm. We're going to have conflict. Yeah, yeah. It's either going to, and I say that to people who are struggling with conflict with a person mm-hmm. who don't deal with it. I say, you can have the conflict to their face or you can have it to the ceiling at three in the morning. Mm. Either way, you're going to have to deal with this as a mm. conflict issue. Yeah. Now, it doesn't mean you go out all, you know, boxing gloves and stuff, yeah. but it means you need to deal with it. Mm. So part of what the last 15 to 16 years of my life has been, interestingly, is stepping into the space of church mm-hmm. conflict mm-hmm. as a kind of, he's been there, done that, has got a little bit to say about it. Can mm-hmm. we bring him in to solve it? Mm-hmm. I just want to take you on a side trip. Yeah. One word that's coming to my mind is the word resilience. Unbelievably so. Resilience is a key issue. Mm -hmm. And I say to Christians, just turn up every day, be Christian every day. Just be resilient in your Mm -hmm. faith. Because if somebody, you know, was looking at you 
Hey, this Stephen guy, mm -hmm. wow, he's gone through all that medical problems, but his faith got him through that. I mean, that's a fantastic testimony. It is, but I don't want to, I don't want to ennoble it that there was a shaft of light coming down from heaven, <laughs> you know, on Stephen McAlpine's face, you know, in a sort of Victorian era novel kind of way lying on but my But you bounced back. Yeah. It took I a mean, while. Resilience is resilience. Yeah. Look, I, to be honest, what I had to do... Uh, I remember we, we bought a dog at the time just as I was recovering. A good dog, yeah. yeah. And it was my recovery dog in some senses. Mm. But I was out of action from work. We'd hold these breakdowns in relationships. And I walked that dog and railed against for a, a mm. while. Mm -hmm. Like I yeah. felt like, Lord, why did this happen? You know, I'm right. They're wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. And it took a few years to, to, to process that because mm -hmm. it would be easy to say, Stephen McAlpine was sick. There's blow up in relationships. But God got him through, and the next day he was, you know, writing books. Mm -hmm. Not true. Mm -hmm. It took me several years to try to navigate. And the other question I had to navigate is, why did I let myself into situations that I thought were unhelpful in church settings? What does it say about me? Mm. Because I can't blame everyone else for stuff. Mm. I have a hand in that. Mm -hmm. And it's that self-assessment that's really hard that we need to do of ourselves um, not that you have to look into the depths of your heart because you, you don't know your own motives, mm. but there are defaults in our lives. And one of the things I think was that the need for approval is something that mm. Steve McAlpine has always had. We always mm. have a level of it. Mm. But the, those years dialed down my need for approval, which I think made me more resilient. Mm -hmm. Part of mm -hmm. our lack of resilience mm -hmm. is that we're scared of what other people think about us. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of our cultural lack of resilience. So... The culture is saying, you guys are losers, yeah. you believers in Jesus. Mm. But we need to remind ourselves that, well, obviously we have God on our side mm. and the ultimate truth. And that brings some benefits that we can get through the darkest, deep mm. Oh, I've seen much more resilience despair. among Christians yeah. in the yeah. midst of stuff. Even Christians who are struggling with mental health issues mm -hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Having Jesus makes a difference. And of course, community. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. During... I'm a runner, mm -hmm. and uh, which is ironic. You went through all that yeah. those health problems, yeah. and now you are a marathon runner. Yeah. So and obviously, you had a full recovery. I did have a full recovery, and it also said start doing some exercise and start building in a bit of resilience in another area of life, which will flow into it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you know a runner because they'll tell you, right? So that's a problem. <laughs> and like you'll know a vegan because they'll tell you, yeah. and a vegan yeah. runner is insufferable. Oh right? my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> and there are a few, but I remember running with another. During COVID, running with a friend of mine, mm. Gillian, who's a marathoner, so we all used to train together. On a Saturday morning, you'd be doing 35 kilometers. Wow. Right? And you'd be talking. You do mm -hmm. talk. Yep. You run yep. at enough pace at those runs to talk. And she said to me, she's also Irish. She's a lapsed Irish Catholic. Mm -hmm. And I, she's, there's no one as anti-God as a lapsed Irish Catholic Is that in right? my book. Mm -hmm. uh, my experience, lots of bad things happen in the mm -hmm. Catholic Church in mm -hmm. Ireland. And she said to me after COVID, because she was involved with a lot of Christian runners as well, I envy you Christians. Mm. I said, what? You can't envy us Christians. You're a lapsed Irish Catholic. <laughs> and she said, during COVID, the way you did community life together and helped each other, she said, I'm a migrant, and her husband and her daughter. They're the only ones from her family living in Australia. And she said, um, we didn't have any, well, you guys offered us stuff, but our other friends didn't. But your Christian community was amazing. And I went, yeah, it was. I took it for granted that, that it would be amazing. But why take it for granted? That's mm -hmm. a gift from yeah, God. Yeah. Brought the unity of the spirit and mm -hmm. the bond of peace. Mm -hmm. And we do life together. That's just what we do. Yeah. 
but it's not what everyone else does in the mm. world, and they're finding that out. Part of the things I'm writing about are the increase in loneliness, the mm. fact that in Australia, mm. one in four households is a single person dwelling, mm. yeah. and that will increase. It's the same in the US, same in Canada, same in New Zealand, Western countries. And it's not simply that people haven't found someone else to live with. Mm. They don't want to. Mm. It's too hard. It's too conflicting. Mm. It's all those things as well. And we're aging population. Mm. And so the gospel gives you a community of people who range from just being born to 90 and puts you together. And yes, you do things in certain age cohorts, but it puts you together in a way that no other community puts yeah. you together. Yeah. You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is once again chatting with Christian author and speaker Stephen McAlpine, who's sharing his life journey and giving us insights into how Christians can navigate through our increasingly hostile secular culture. We'll have more when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. Our guest today is once again Stephen McAlpine, who's the author of the award-winning book, Being the Bad Guys, How to Live for Jesus in a World that Says You Shouldn't. He's chatting with Eric Scadabo just a few hours after Eric attended a church breakfast where Stephen was the featured speaker. And as we heard last time, Eric took exception with the provocative title of Stephen's talk, which was Leadership for Losers, Guiding God's People in a Post-Christian Culture. Now, here's more of their conversation. Now, let me see if I paid close attention to your talk this morning at breakfast. <laughs> see if I have this The loser right. bit you got sort of. Oh, yeah, I, I, I got, got that much. part. Yeah, yeah. I indelibly <laughs> put that on my brain there. <laughs> but let, let's go to the positive part. Now, we're trying to navigate our society, secular society, as Christians. And we're viewed not only as kind of losers, but also like really bad like we're extremists like we're you yeah. know people to be avoided now one of the things that is happening is that even though society in one sense is saying that but individually you have people like the person you're running with who are saying hey i've seen you do life and i like yes aspects of your life yes and your answer if i remember this correctly is to lean into your faith, even though it would be easy to say, oh, no, I think I'll just kind of tone down my faith yeah. because uh, people are not going to like it. But you're saying lean into your faith. Well, I think there's a deep cultural hunger mm -hmm. and a deep cultural malaise and that uh, the Christian community counterintuitively shouldn't fold its wings quietly and hide out in the back blocks, and nor should it say, look how sane we are, we're just like you. Hmm. Um, my son learning to skate on the top of the ramp. Mm. Skateboard. Yep, skateboard. His instinct is to lean back when you're trying to drop in in the bowl. Mm. You're supposed to lean in, lean forward, not lean back. Which is counterintuitive because counterintuitive. You, you think you're going to fall. So everything said, lean back, Christians, mm. lean back. Mm. And I'm saying, lean in, lean mm. in. Mm -hmm. Because deep discipleship together 
deep community together. Mm-hmm. All those things are the things we need to be le- deep difference. That mm-hmm. we're not saying to the mm-hmm. culture we're just like the rest of you. We're saying actually we believe things that look pretty crazy, but investigate them. Mm-hmm. They also provide a meaning and a sense of order and understanding in life that I think you'll find plausible mm-hmm. and not just plausible, but taste and see mm-hmm. that the Lord is good. So the culture on the headlines might be saying Christianity bad mm-hmm. and my running friend might say, I don't like those Christians except for you lot. You mm-hmm. go, well, yeah. you don't like the abstract idea of Christianity perhaps, mm-hmm. but when you meet Christians, there's something about them. Mm-hmm. And I'm confident enough to think that that's the Holy Spirit's work yeah. shaping people. Mm-hmm. Well, another factor is what's the alternative? Well, the alternative, and I, I, this is really interesting, and I'm a bit nervous watching it because we do look for order, an ordered life mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. And Christianity, the gospel, and the church gives an ordered life mm-hmm. yeah. in a great way as well. It does mm-hmm. some extremes. Like my mum's experience was mm-hmm. we want more order on the surface. Mm-hmm. We want to be seen to be good. Mm-hmm. We'll put the sin away without talking about mm-hmm. it. But I mean, it orders life well. And Augustine's idea of uh, sin really is about disordered desires. Mm. And the gospel comes and reorders our desires Mm -hmm. so that they align Mm -hmm. with desiring God above all Mm -hmm. else and then Mm -hmm. aligning our desires. And so talking in that language helps us. But if you look at some of the extremes that we're going to that aren't Christian, there's a a very hard right Mm. and there's a very progressive left Mm -hmm that both say we can, by power, shape and order the culture the way we want it to, to mm. give you what you want. Mm-hmm. And the rise of nationalism, that's hard mm-hmm. nationalism, mm-hmm. you know, no, you're never more ordered than when you're goose-stepping in a shirt the same color as everyone else's <laughs> next to you. Know? So there's <laughs> like a sense Nazi of, Germany, yeah. yeah. So that came into a vacuum where there was no order and mm-hmm. where the church was just like the, the cultural frame. Mm-hmm. And it took people like Bonhoeffer... Mm-hmm. to come out and go, I'm going to create a, an alternate community to the side of that mm-hmm. that will reorder things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the role of the church. We're not in Nazi Germany. Let's never even think that, even mm-hmm. in Australia, mm-hmm. because we won't be censored by being put in prison. We'll self-censor mm-hmm. because of legislation. Mm-hmm. And how or more peer pressure. Yeah, peer pressure. But order is a good thing. Mm-hmm. But when it's taken away from the God of order, mm-hmm. It becomes a dangerous thing. Mm-hmm. When yeah. order itself becomes God, mm. you've got a problem. So let's get back to your story. Yeah. Where did we leave off? <laughs> Where did we leave off? Yeah, probably after being sick, what do I do after that? Um, for me, the process of returning into ministry mm-hmm. did two things. First, it I have a tendency to be pretty upfront about things with people, and I have a tendency that I, I, I think the safest thing that God did to me was break me. Hmm. Because I think there's two types of leaders, a brittle leader who's always chippy and never been broken and hmm. always angling. and there's a, That people can't relate to. Yeah, and then there's a broken leader who God has broken down and put hmm. back together again. Hmm. And that's the kind of person, well, They're for safe me to be around. Yeah. Right. yeah, like, okay, he's had troubles, I've had troubles. We can he, relate. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. Mm-hmm. And so we planted another church with a network, and that worked really well. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of people became Christian, and it's grown, and we've handed it on to someone else. But at the same time, I was hearing from people about the, the way life in secular culture is 
pressing in on them. As the pastor, I'm hearing this going, when I started in ministry, it was taking a hit for the team to go into ministry, mm-hmm. and now it feels like it's taking a hit for the team to go to Ernst & Young on Monday morning. Mm. And pastoral ministry is safe. It's a mm. sheltered workshop. And my preaching and my teaching and my pastoral care for people had to lean in to helping them navigate Monday to Friday rather than saying, the way you're a Christian is what you do for the church. Mm. Uh, going to church is critical to it. But the point is to withdraw from the world to be encouraged and fed and enlivened to go back out and serve. Mm. Mm. And they were struggling at the serving bit in their jobs and their life because it was just more pressure. So I thought, what about church can we do together that can thicken that up for them and help them in that mm. setting? So we did that for quite some time. And I said, my wife is a clinical psychologist, and so life is just that busy life. Of, mm. At the same time that her week's coming down on a Friday, you're kind of ramping up for church. Mm. It's just people everywhere. So both of us are quite introverted, mm. to be honest. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so that's been a one to navigate for us. Mm. And then seeing friends whose kids have grown up not being stayed Christian, you go... They didn't seem to bring their kids up any different to how we have. Mm. You know, it's only by God's grace in some sense that our kids stay together as uh, as Christian. Mm. And I, I think we're in that space in life mm. that suddenly you reach your mid-50s and you go, where did that go? <laughs> yes. Exactly. You know what I mean? That's yes. 40, you yeah. put your head down, yeah. right? And you just, you're going to tough it out for yeah. those early high school, middle high school years with your kids and just and suddenly you get spat up on the shore of 55 and you go, huh. <laughs> How did I get here? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, unfortunately, we're running out of time, but let's kind of take this conversation full circle. We started off talking about your books, which kind of had that theme of helping Christians navigate through a secular culture and the hostility that we as Christians are facing. How did you start writing those books? You know, given all That's these really, things yeah, that you were talking about, how did you yeah. go from all that to writing books on this topic? Well, it's really interesting. The one. I, I had a blog for a long time that had very few readers. And one day I was supposed to be writing a sermon on Exodus something, I can't remember, I was sitting in my lounge, and I was thinking there's something going on culturally that we know and I, I haven't been able to articulate it, but I'm going to write a blog about it. And I put down my sermon and in an hour I wrote a blog that got in the next day 40,000 reads. Oh, wow, what was the name of it? Um, it was... Uh, Christian, are you ready for exile stage two? Mm. I was saying that exile stage, we were told that if you're Christian in the future, you'll be in the marketplace of ideas and your idea won't be above any other idea that people are promulgating, but it won't be below. Mm -hmm. I said, that's not true. What we're finding is that it's seen as problematic and we're not getting Christians ready for that. Mm. And it went viral. Mm. And then I'd always been able to... Touch the nerve. Yeah. I've been able to bang out a thousand words an hour, you know, Forever. Going back to your journalism yeah, days. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I started writing more blogs, and it just got more and more readership. And at that point, it's very easy to go, I'm going to lean into the the shock, horror, skies falling blog posts. Mm. But I went, no. Which is, is so it? common. Yeah, it's common, and it'll get you clickbait. Mm-hmm. But what I said is, okay, I want to lean into some of those things, but I want to say the gospel offers us something different. Mm-hmm. And then I was offered by um, the company that published my book, they'd read enough of my blogs. Mm. And then I started to get asked to speak on events about this and then podcasts and things like that. And they wrote to me and said, would you like to write a book about this? Uh, Being the bad guys. I came up with the title, Being the Mm. bad guys. 
would you write us a book? And I thought, how hard would it be to write a book? should be easy. I can write a thousand words in a much different to write a book to writing blogs. Is that right? Yeah. It's, it's very, it's, you've got to have a real argument that drives through everything. Mm. Blog posts are out there. Like mm. they just go, ta-da, mm. and then leave it. You've got to have an argument. So, mm. uh, But uh, it touched the nerve as well. Mm-hmm. And so what it is, I think, my superpower because <laughs> uh, I've got very little admin power. I'm useless at all the things of you know finances. I don't know what an Excel spreadsheet looks like. Mm-hmm. Even the pastor, I have to be limped through that. My superpower is articulating in pithy ways what people feel but can't articulate themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that's helped me with preaching as mm-hmm. well. I want to take the text of the Bible and make it explainable to people, understandable, mm-hmm. show Jesus in the text of Scripture, but do it in a way that they understand. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened with the book. And that just went really well the same mm-hmm. way. So I, I kind of uh, – pastoral ministry is my blood. Mm-hmm. And I would never want to be disconnected from church or I'm not working in a church at the moment. And that feels weird. For mm-hmm. Jill and I, we've hunted in a pack as you know in pastoral ministry for nearly 30 years. And suddenly I'm on the other side of the country mm-hmm. all the time. And it, it's made our lives a little bit more difficult at the mm-hmm. moment. But I – it feels like I could fill every weekend mm. speaking somewhere else, but I feel church is so important. My local gathering, I'm trying to dial that the mm-hmm. weekend stuff back. Mm-hmm. We need to be in church together. Okay, so in conclusion, the main theme that you write about and speak about is helping Christians navigate through a secular culture, which started from the blog and then went to books and speaking. The main takeaway for listeners to lean in to our faith even though people are going to think we're crazy and all that kind of stuff, but lean in. Anything else to conclude with? Yeah. The, the great hope is that Jesus is coming back. Mm-hmm. Our eschatology. So in the 1970s, it was weird stuff that mm-hmm. people believed about mm-hmm. what was going to happen. And now, and then uh, we the just, late great planet, planet Earth, Earth by Hal Lindsey and all that. And I think we kind of left eschatology to the side because it's too hard. Eschatology, I should say, is yes. end time events. End time events. But the fact is, God has given us everything now to bring us to the future that he's planned for us. The power of the Holy Spirit, who the Holy Spirit is, is God's gift from the future given to us today. The Jewish understanding of the end times was it would be a spirit age, the age of God's spirit. Well, that started at Pentecost, and we're heading in that direction. You kind of got to say, the one book that we need to read is the Bible, and we've read the back of it, and we win. Amen. (laughs) Not because of us, Mm. so we don't need to grasp at political Mm. power to win. Mm -hmm. Yep. Jesus is coming back. We're receiving mm-hmm. a kingdom, it says in Hebrews. We're not trying to build our own. Mm-hmm. So we don't need to be anxious, not because we can win power mm-hmm. and yeah. not because we can hide away, but because our king will come back. And regardless of whether the culture thinks we're bad guys, he will say, well done, good mm-hmm. and faithful servants. Hang your hat on that. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today and your insights. Great to be with you. Well, that was part two of Eric Scadabo's conversation with Christian author and speaker Stephen McAlpine. To find out more about Stephen's books and his views, you can go to his website, which includes his blog writings. It's stephenmcalpine.org. Once again, that's Stephen with a P-H, stephenmcalpine.org. 
www.thepeopleshow.com. Finally, before we end today, I just want to emphasise some of Stephen's main points. For example, as secular society becomes increasingly hostile to Christians and our beliefs, it would be tempting for us to shrink away and hide in the background. But as we heard, Stephen's advice for us is the complete opposite. He says we need to lean into our faith because deep discipleship together and deep community together are what we need to emphasise. We know that our faith provides us meaning and a sense of order and understanding that we can lovingly challenge our non-Christian friends to investigate. And at the end of the day, we know that God designed all of us to yearn for meaning and purpose and living in community. And when non-believers go through trials and tribulations, they want to know what makes us different. It is then that we can turn to them and say, taste and see that the Lord is good. Well, thanks so much for joining us for part two of Stephen McAlpine's story and some of his thought-provoking viewpoints. Until next time, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. The Story. Just another way vision is helping you look to God daily. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.